0: Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with a lower, a second, and third deck. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath and life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. folks. I'm your host, Dale Pollard. And I'm your co-host, Carl Pollard. And you're listening to The Bible's Not Boring. It's a podcast that's aimed at proving its name with each and every episode. I think I'll have what I'm having. Noise.
1: (laughs) They say I'm a grumpy old man, (laughs) but really a grumpy old teenager. (laughs)
0: You are up there in age. Perhaps you remember the year, if you really, really try and think about it. Keep thinking. Perhaps you remember the year two thousand nine. Mm, it's gonna take me a minute. Just get, okay. get 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 the image up in your mind. Okay, I think I got 2009. it. Two thousand nine. There All it right. is. Okay, I see it. Mm. It was the first time that our parents left us alone at the house for what. Uh, I mean, how long was it? It was a couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks. They went on a mission trip and decided that we were old enough to take care of ourselves and to basically not burn the house down. Which we didn't, I will say. We didn't burn
2: the house down. But you know, we did what any rational child would do with an excessive
0: amount of freedom. No! We built a raft. We built a raft. We. Well, at first, we we binge-watched every season of Bear Grylls, Man Mm -hmm. vs. Wild. Inspiration. We got the inspiration from him. It's all Bear Grylls' fault. But we decided, you know what? We're going to build a raft, just like Bear Grylls did in Season 2 on the episode about him crossing the Amazon River.
2: Yes. Great, great, great episode there. But we, we ran into a problem. Big problem. We didn't have any trees. No trees.
0: So we were thinking, what could we use... To
2: build a raft.
0: Right. You know, this is this is outside of Denver, booming city of Denver. Yes. Right? We're not out in the, in the woods where we can just chop down trees and and make our own raft. And we really had no big body of water save the body of water that was at the Bear Creek Park or Stonehouse Park.
2: Yeah, Stonehouse Park, surrounded by millions of people no!
0: in Denver, Colorado. No! I remember going out into the garage and looking around for something to build a boat out of. Mm-hmm. And... I could not find a single thing, Mm. and I mean we had a great dilemma. It really was really great dilemma here. So me and Carl go back inside, but we're not defeated because we're survivors, and survivors make boats out of anything. We make do. No. So we walk out onto the back patio, Mm. and what do we see? The perfect raft.
2: What some people would see as a picnic table, we saw a raft.
0: We saw a raft. And now this picnic table had been in our family for a very long time. It's very nice, too. It's a nice oak. Stained. Stained. Yeah, very freshly stained. Solid. If I remember.
1: It's right after heavy. we had
0: just re-stained it. We mm. saw this picnic table, and both of us looked at each other, and we thought, No! That's a boat. And it's practically already built for us. Yeah, no sawing, no nothing, no sanding. Yeah, so we, we ended up getting the dad's ratchet set, and we mm. took off the top of that table. And I remember when we picked it up, we looked at each other, and we were like, okay, this... Sucker was heavy. It was a very heavy, solid piece of wood, this tabletop was. Mm. But we still thought, hey, you know what? It's It's wood. It's wood, And and wood floats. That's what boats are made out of. Right. Boats are all made out of wood. So we decided that this thing's still going to float. So we Mm. put it on a skateboard.
2: Well, hold up. You're missing one important fact. What's that? We took all of the wooden trim out of Mom's garden. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And strapped it with fishing line? It was fishing line, yeah. And a couple of... There was like charger cables like phone charger cables or something because we couldn't find string either yeah. and so
1: we
0: strapped all of the garden trimming into the boat so we after we got this basically big chunk of wood we stuck it on a skateboard and we rolled it all the way through our neighborhood all the way down the hill about a half a mile till, the, till we got to the stonehouse park well once we got to the park there's this long gravel road that leads out over to the lake well, a it lot was, of park rangers, too. Yeah, lots of we park rangers. Careful. And it wasn't really a lake. It was a little pond. And so we decided to, to pick it up off the skateboard, and we decided not to take the trail, but to go through the grass. And so we were running <laughs> through this grass field where there's, like, joggers <laughs> and people all around. Wearing camo and yeah. <laughs> pots and pans. Decked out as a couple of goons, and we're carrying this table, and we're running through the grass field. And we get to the lake. Now it's October. It's cold outside. I mean, really, really mm. cold. And I remember we set that raft, or that tabletop. It's a, it's a picnic. Table. It's a picnic table on top of the lake, and it is barely floating. I mean, barely and on, you, the, on you the surface chickened of the water. Out. I did. I did. You didn't. chickened out, and so of course,
2: having the courage and the gumption to step on it, I tried out the raft. Yep, the picnic table and it sank immediately the second my foot touched that tabletop it went bloop and right r- down
0: <laughs> and right where we where we decided to put this this picnic table in the lake it happened to be a drop off right there i mean it didn't it wasn't one of those little ponds that like it gets deeper and deeper as you walk out no this was a sheer drop off of straight water down. so it was deep and so the the raft it it disappeared the Completely. table disappeared we couldn't even see it anymore and i remember the dread oh. That poured over us as I we... I still get scared thinking about it. I know it. And I remember standing there looking at the water that's freezing and murky, and the picnic table that has been in our family for years was gone. And so we had to make that walk all the way back up to the house, knowing, knowing that in a week, Mom and Dad gonna come and back. And we left the the actual
2: legs to the picnic table on the patio. Yep. So it looked like someone just... Came by, grabbed the top of the picnic table, and left the legs.
0: Yep. Yep. Oh, and here's, here's, here's the truth. Mm. I don't know what in the world we said to our parents when they walked out in the back door. No, we s-
2: agreed to say someone stole it. Is that? Oh, yeah. I
0: hate that. Yeah. no. So we, we, we lied. Yeah, we lied. We lied. We said someone came by and stole it, and uh, that's the best that we knew then. To do. Hey, it, it worked. I didn't get spanked. I don't remember getting in trouble for it. Yeah. So this, the truth came out when I graduated from Bear Valley School of Preaching, and in my <laughs> senior sermon, I made the confession. Now, how long is that? Story. Is that is that seven, eight years? It was eight years gone by. Yep. Eight years. Yep. Mm. We we are not sailors. I'll tell you that much. We are terrible sailors. We tried to make so many boats growing up, and. I think only one of the homemade boats we made actually worked because we actually tried to make another one when the cousins came over mm. and the lake was iced over. And we try- we strapped a bunch of logs that we found in the park together with fishing line. Again, used fishing line that was Quite. on the side of the pond. We strapped all these logs together and I decided to sail it across the lake. Well, I had a stick and I tried to break the ice up. So that the raft could go across the water. Well, there were still little pieces of ice that cut the fishing line. The logs separated beneath my feet. It, it, it looked like a raft for about 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I fell through the logs beneath my feet into the freezing cold water. Well, my older brother is there. He thinks I'm going to die of like hypothermia or something like that. And so he gets me out of the water. Strip me down my clothing because that's what you're supposed to do when you're really cold. Ran to the nearest porta potty. <laughs> yep. And then he stuck me inside the porta potty and then gave me an ensemble of jackets and beanies and my socks clothes that, too. Yeah. that the crew that we were all with hanging out, the cousins and all, them, they decided to chip in a few clothing items for, for me so that I would survive the, the half mile trek back home. Mm. So I'm inside of this porta potty and I start whining. I'm like, oh no oh no well gary thinks i'm dying of hypothermia and he goes hang on dale be strong you're almost there he's like just put just put the (laughs) put the jacket on wear the jacket like a pair of pants and i was like no no it's not that and he opened the door to find me in the corner of the porta potty trying to avoid a big piece of human waste that someone clearly Mm. missed we didn't even need to build a raft at no, that point. No, 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 It was no. right there in the porta potty. giant piece of human waste, right smack dab in the <laughs> middle of the porta potty, stank like crazy. <laughs> so Gary saw that, trying not to laugh. Still helps me out. I'm red and shivering. And then we make the walk back home. Mm-hmm. So we made, we tried to make several boats. Good it's times. a lot harder than we thought it would be. You think it'd be easy? No! You gotta be kidding me. Yay! Season two coming in hot. Pilgrims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you took a gander at the overall yeah. topics of season one, you'd find a mix of all kinds of topics and speakers. Mm. And so well, we're calling this season mythical or factual. Well, which one is it? Mythical or factual? Tell us. We want to know. But we're going to be looking at those seemingly outlandish claims that the Bible makes and then looking at the evidence that we have for them. So just to give you a few of the topics that we're going to talk about. Today, we're talking about did Noah really build an ark and fill it with every animal species on earth? And I don't know. Not only that, is it still around? Is it still around? Can we find it somewhere? I mean for real. The Ark of the Covenant. Will we ever find it? What would happen if we did find the Ark, mm. Ark of the Covenant? Just like uh one of those one of those real famous Indiana movies. Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what about the tomb of the patriarchs, MacPela? Ooh. Yeah, you know, me and Carl used to to fantasize all the time talking about how we wanted to break into the tomb of Mac Pila and then go steal Abraham's signet ring. Which sounds really disrespectful, but you know, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. Uh, We're gonna talk about the Tower of Babel and we're gonna talk about the the ten flags. They've they've been explained in a natural way. Like, did Mm. they happen naturally or was it a supernatural thing? Right. Uh, Could the miracles of Jesus be explained? Could the miracles of Jesus be explained naturally? Hmm. Uh, does the Bible leave room for aliens? Now that one's going to be strange. It's going to be strange. Crazy. Get ready for that one. And then, are demons still active today? And if so, you know, wh- where do they what do they do? What have they done? And where do they come from? We're going to talk about all that. Where did come from? Where did you go? I don't know, Cotton Eye Joe. That's what I'm talking about. But all those topics and much much more, dear pilgrim. Mm. And of course, we got some great speakers planned and some bonus episodes in the Crockpot dealing with those hard-to-discuss topics.
2: Yes. Also, Neil, Daddy P. Father, still going to be dropping his encouraging encouragement in his section called, Hey,
1: Do You, do you have, have Two Minutes? minutes?
0: Hey. Okay, okay, enough lollygagging. Let's get on with the topic already, huh? Just to fill you in, I'm sure you know about Noah's Ark. That's, it's one of those stories that you hear all the time, and from... A young age, if you grew up in the church, you know, or, you know, at VBS, things like that. Uh, but you can read about the the ark's size and its description in Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Mm-hmm. And it says that it's 510 feet long. It's wow. 85 feet wide. Wow! It's 51 feet high. Wow, that's like more than 50. Yes, and it talks about <laughs> that the ark has one window, which is a cubit from the top of the ark. Now, before we go on. A cubit, you might be thinking? No, 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 no. what What? is a cubit? Because the the tape measure that I got from Harbor Freight, Lowe's, or Home Depot does not have a cubit option. So this would basically be from your middle finger to the base of your forearm. That's how long a cubit was. Now, depending on how long Noah's... You almost said Moses. I almost said Moses. But I'm, I didn't. I'm going to be
2: catching myself. If you hear me say Moses in this podcast, I'm talking about Noah. Let's Noah. just clear that up Moses right now. Moses
0: didn't build an ark, but he wrote about the ark. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so depending on how long Noah's arm was from his third finger to the base of his forearm, that's how long a cubit would have been for him.
2: Or Moses could have been talking about Egyptian cubits because, you know, he is of Egyptian background.
0: That's true. That's true. So, So, yeah, that that is also the case. But we're going to say an average of 510 by 85 by 51. Yeah, it's going to be around there. Around there. But the Bible describes the ark as having three levels, a lower, a second, and a third level. So there's one door on this ark, and apparently Mm. it's too big for Noah to shut because God ends up closing the door behind them all after the animals and Noah's family they all get on the ark, and you can read about that in Genesis chapter seven. Should have done more spots, more yep. bench press, so you yep. can shut that door. You're probably tired after building that ark for how long? He's like, like son, I am not closing this sucker. I'm like, I have been doing this for a hundred plus years. I cannot, I cannot <laughs> shut the door. So, anyway, I mean it's a, a this is a big piece of work right here. But the Hebrew mm. word for ark, all right, it means box or casket, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily a box. It probably doesn't look like those cartoon images though in the children's Bible books. Nah, so those things but, wouldn't even float. Yeah, but, but Carl, you know, you can talk about that a little bit more yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about the timeline to the event now. Okay, so we're going to try and figure out a couple of
2: things here. First of all, could we actually find the Ark today? So as we're looking at this here timeline, from the event and the flood from when it took place to now, we need to think of a... a, a <laughs> We need to think about how to speak first. Yes. (laughs) But we should also figure out a couple of things to look at, namely some questions. What about the structural integrity? Yes. You know, we ain't exactly going to just find the ark and then, you know, dust it off and then float off into the sunset. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So we got to ask, would it still be intact? Hmm. Well, honestly, after about 5,000 years, it's probably pretty deteriorated, and uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything. That could last that long, except possibly the Queen of England. Oh, for certain. But what was it made of, you say? Well, Genesis 6.14 says it was made of gopher wood, and my trusted source, Wikipedia, says that gopher wood is a tree of gopherous wood. Oh, no. <laughs> I Honestly, I don't know what it is. I don't think anyone really does. There's a couple of guesses out there, but the maybe, Greek Maybe Septuagint... God was just
0: telling Noah to go for some wood.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you caught me off guard with that one. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. But the Greek Septuagint translates gopher wood as squared timber. Now,
0: what is now what is the Greek Septuagint for our, for our pilgrims? Uh, I don't Greek know.
2: Septuagint would be the Greek translation of the Hebrew
0: texts. Oh,
2: thank you. And so they just took the Greek Septuagint, or they took the word gopher wood, and in the Greek Septuagint, they translated it as squared timber. Hmm. But we know one thing for sure. It was wooden, but not sure what type of tree was used. Hmm. So the question, what would it look like today? You know, at this point, uh, if there were any, how do you say, archaeological discoveries, it would be of mostly petrified wood, possibly some metal fasteners and rivets, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. But anyway, thank you for listening to this section called Carl Knows Absolutely Nothing and Pretends to Sound
0: Smart. <laughs> Back to you, Dale. <laughs> no, man, you wicked smart. Well, Wikipedia uh, is. I'll so say that. Let's, let's talk about some possible arc locations, okay, because mm. now... now you might be thinking, well, I mean, the Bible says that it landed on top of Mount Ararat, but if you look, yeah, if you look at Genesis eight and verse four, it actually says the mountains, mountains, of, the mountains of Ararat it doesn't say Mount Ararat; It says mountains of Ararat. So, which is a long in, range of mountains. Yeah, to be exact, eight, uh, Genesis eight four says, "In the seventh month, seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested." No, seventh month on the seventh, the seventh day. month on the seventeenth day. Of the month. The Ark rested on the mountains of Ararat, which is interesting because I I did figure, actually up until this point doing the research for Mm. it, uh, I did figure that it was a singular mountain. Mm. But in 2010, a group of 100 researchers from around the globe met at a possible location for the Ark, and they found wooden remains of a structure about 4,000 meters up on the mountain. And radiocarbon dating placed the wood at approximately 4,000, 800 years old, which is know. pretty close. Yeah, dude. and I don't
2: know how much I believe that radiocarbon stuff, but nah. if that's true, I mean, that is the the right era.
0: Well, I, I believe that radiocarbon dating is actually accurate up to a certain point. I'm or think, it's inaccurate up to a certain point. No, I, think, I think it's accurate up to a certain point. And then after, I don't know how many years, but I know it gets inaccurate once you start getting to, like, right. the so-called millions and billions of years. But mm, of I think, I mean... If radiocarbon dating is correct up to this point, 4,800 years old is pretty, pretty, close, spot on. pretty close to when, when this uh, whole event took place.
2: Yeah, and, and not only that. Not only is there this, you know, petrified wood and all these researchers and stuff, there are a couple of stories that we need to look at concerning Story are. So, on September eleventh, nineteen 1959, while investigating some aerial photos, Captain Ian... Dura Pinar, probably totally just messed that name up, from the Turkish army, noticed an arc shape in one of the photographs.
1: Hey, what's that in my photograph?
2: (laughs) It was a photograph taken from (laughs) above the Ararat Mountains in eastern Turkey, and which could not have been formed by nature. And so after calculating the length and the width, he concluded that the arc shape maybe was the remains of Noah's Ark.
0: Hmm, I think this might be Noah's Ark in this photograph I took flying over the mountains of Ararat.
2: He's Turkish, so it probably didn't sound like that. (laughs) But the area and the dimensions all match those of the Ark in Scripture. That's pretty cool. And then there's other eyewitness accounts. A guy named George Hagiopian claimed that when he was a young boy in 1908, his uncle took him up to Mount
0: Ararat to the Ahura Gorge area. Come on, son. We're going to go on a little bit of a hike. Oh, where are we going, Pa? We're going to go up to the Agor- oh, Gorge, Ahura Gorge area. <laughs> Agagio
2: Pion said that when they got there, they found a large ship, and he walked on its roof. At least a, a, a dozen expeditions have explored the Ahura Gorge since then, but to date, none of these adventurers have found remains of Noah's Ark. And so
0: we have to ask, are
2: these stories true? (laughs)
0: Are they? Oh, man. Okay, discussion time. Carl, all right. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to throw this out here. Why do people say that it won't be found? That the Ark can't
2: be found? Well, first of all, if you're an atheist then you're going to have some severe problems with this because mainly you don't believe in scripture oh, yep. and you don't think that it's even possible. And there's a bunch of doubt in there and the possibly, timelines. possibly
0: don't even believe in a worldwide flood.
2: Yeah. And, they, heard and they, that. Yeah, they don't, they don't believe in a lot of stuff. And so they're going to have a hard time
0: seeing it with an unbiased view. Okay. So let's talk about it in the church though. So if you are, you grew up in the church, you believe in the accounts of worldwide flood and Noah building the ark and saving his family. Why would someone like that say that the Ark just can't be found?
2: Well, it could be the the problem of, you know, people worshipping these artifacts and putting more stock in them than what they're actually worth. Uh, but not only that, it has been a long time, and I believe you're the one that said that, they could have just tore that sucker apart after the Flood because they couldn't find any wood to build a house.
0: That And that sounds pretty good. I mean, if you are, if you know, you've landed on this new world, basically, that's mm-hmm. been destroyed by a Flood. And you you land and you come out and then you have this massive structure built out of solid wood. Uh, mm. I mean that's a pretty good that's some pretty good building materials for you and your family to start a, a right. new life. But here's the thing:
2: the flood didn't just take all the wood and make it disappear. It would have just uprooted it. So there still would have been plenty of wood. So they could have built something. But not only that, think about what they just built, all the time they put into it, what it did for their family. The, the significance of that Yeah, would you really think Noah would want to tear that apart? You know, I don't know. That, that, is, just...
0: that is part of, of my thinking process on this as well. I mean, these, you, as Noah, I mean, you are a guy that just built a giant boat based on the instructions that the supernatural has given you. Mm. Are you going to now take apart that structure that you put all this effort into, mm. but... The other side of that would be, okay, maybe Noah didn't do it. Maybe Noah's family didn't do it. But what about generations Mm -hmm. after that that came up and were like, you know
2: what? You do have to keep in mind people when they see it wouldn't want to even like destroy it at all because they would want to like worship it or, you know, make sure it stays intact because they saw it as like a holy object or something. Uh, and so, you know, it's uh, it, it, oh, it's you high, know, highly debated. It is.
0: You know, it's really. Uh, it comes down to a matter of opinion in this point. It's not a salvation issue, no, obviously. No, 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 But no, 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 it is no, 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 It no. is cool to, to ponder and think. Yeah, but let's talk about the evidence, though. That's the fun stuff, because it's it's mm-hmm. more fun. I'll I'll give you that. It's way more fun to believe that the Ark is still out there. Yes. And the Ark can still be found. So let's talk about some evidence and things of the sort.
2: Now, I am going to be honest and straight up here. I think that it is still around, and I think that it has been found. Ooh, Carl. But keep in mind, many of the claims that have been made over the years are not all true. In fact, there are YouTube videos of people exploring the supposed Uh, ark, and they're videoing it inside of it and like showing all these wooden pieces and stuff. That's fake news because wood can't live that long or survive
0: that long. It's probably, what's his name? Something Paul. Paul? Paul, no, the YouTuber something Paul. His last name's Paul Logan, Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul's probably the one that's like, <laughs> oh, check out this today. I found that Ark that Noah made. No, Click, <laughs> like, and subscribe and share. No, he don't believe in that stuff, I'm sure. Oh. But anyway,
2: you know there are, there, are some, there are some many, many claims that have been made, and not all of them are you know worth believing. But the Ark Discovery team, uh, same group that had the 100 researchers, uh, they found uh, petrified animal manure, Oh, that's cool. They found uh, some anchors, some huge stones that had been drilled out, uh, kind of like counterbalance stones, like some of the uh, ancient civilizations and stuff like that. Would how, use. how big
0: is big? Do you have a size you can pull up on that? Or?
2: Uh, it was something like
0: two and a half tons or something that I read.
2: Wow. They're massive. They're like the, the size of a person. Hmm. Uh, and they would use them to hang off the end of the uh, the ark to keep it from tipping over or you know something like that. Supposedly. Supposedly, right, right. It's a theorem. Uh, and so you have these huge stones that are scattered all through the air at mountain ranges, and uh, one of these stones actually had eight stars carved into it, and many believe that it represents Noah and his family.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: so it is pretty... It's all speculation again, but there are some pretty cool finds in the area. But not only that, uh, they found some petrified wooden structures with levels and decks. What? In fact, they found three... Uh, very distinct decks uh, and support beams, like we read in the account in Genesis.
0: When when was this? 2010. 2010.
2: Okay. So yeah, 2010. A guy named uh, Raul Esperante, along with that group of 100 researchers, they found a structure that measured 300 cubits by 50 by 30, which is actually the uh, Egyptian equivalent of what we read in Scripture. Hmm. And so they believe that the Ark landed near the top of the mountain, uh, of the mountain ridge in Ararat, and it was carried down by lava flow. Keep in mind that this was an active volcano uh, at one point. I don't think it's been active since 1860 or something like that. But at one point it was active, and so it carried down the Ark with lava flow, and it was then uh, impaled onto
0: limestone outcroppings and then covered by the lava from Real quickly, though, I want, I want to go back to this this measurement that you gave because 300 cubits by 50 by 30 yes. is not what we initially read from the account in Genesis chapter 6. Right. But the reason why Carl mentioned that it was the, was the Hebrew, mm-hmm. that this was the Hebrew measuring of that, uh, and that would make sense because Moses grew up in Egypt, yes. and so he was raised by uh, Egyptians, and so... That I mean, that makes sense. That's an Egyptian measurement. Moses is the author of the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yes. First five books. Mm-hmm. First five books. So, I mean, that makes sense. He's coming from, you know, this Egyptian background. The fact right. that there's this structure that has uh, Egyptian measurements to it. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, and, and not only that,
2: the the structure that they found was 300 cubits by 50 by 30, but that's also after... Thousands of years of deterioration, but also of buildup and, you know, a bunch of other stuff that has to be, uh, you know, taken into account there. It's not going to be exactly what it was when it was first built. Very true, very true. Uh, But they believe that it actually just kind of sank down the side of the mountain, and then it rested on that, I believe they called it limestone outcropping. And then it was covered up by the lava flow, and it preserved the ark. There seems to be a lot of evidence pointing to this being the Ark, and, and actually they have a bunch of uh, articles and videos on it, uh, which are very interesting. Do you have a website you can throw out for the Pilgrims? Um, it was the
0: Ark Discovery Team, which I believe it's called ArkDiscovery.com. Excuse me, ArkDiscovery.com. So if you're wanting to find some more information on this stuff, uh, then you should go. We go could check probably it out.
2: even link it in the description too. Yeah, we'll do that. So. Uh, but yeah, so it had this uh, petrified wood structure with levels and decks, just like they saw, uh, just like we read in scripture. But the question we have to ask: so is it still around today? Is that the ark? The only way that this could be physically possible was if the ark was petrified. Say that again. The only way this is physically possible would be if the ark was petrified. So, for example, petrification if that's a word (laughs) uh, happens when something is quickly buried and then water is constantly running through it. So if this is the case and it was covered by lava, the ark would have been quickly buried in that lava and then would have water constantly running through it because of the snow melt, because of the different seasons. And it would have become petrified and turned into stone, meaning that the wood was washed away, but the impression is left in the stone, thus preserving it and having the structure still there. That's pretty cool. So the conditions are perfect for something like this to take place in the mountains of Ararat. So you know, just something to consider. Yeah. So is this story to be taken literally, though? I mean, this yeah, is that is a problem a lot of people have when it comes to the Ark. Yes. They, yeah. They don't know if it's like a like a metaphor or you know
0: something that's like well, out and, there. Or, yeah, like, and what? let's let's be honest. When you read through this account of everything that tooks that that takes place, yeah, it is pretty pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean I understand why people find this to be something that's hard to believe. It's amazing. It's amazing what God can do, mm-hmm. and that's how we look at it. Uh, but um, this is this is crazy. So according to the Smithsonian Magazine, Smithsonian Magazine. So which, yep. by the way, many if not all of their writers don't even believe in or support the biblical narrative. Uh, They begin an article on the subject this way. They said, Noah had a lot going for him in the biblical tale and in the recent Hollywood adaptation. Obviously, (laughs) because Hollywood Uh, is all about providing realistic factual content. Of course. But he said, okay, he had divine help, and that would be a useful tool in a quest to round up two of every species and build a gigantic ark to survive an apocalyptic flood. Mm. They go on to say, scholars and passionate internet commenters. Have long debated that question. There are quite a few holes in Noah's story. Geological evidence of epic flooding exists, but trying to tie it to mythical flood stories is tricky. Mm. They then say, however, the Bible is clear on one thing. Noah got specific instructions on the ark's dimension, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. And the material gopher wood which is a wood of gopherous material (laughs) right the smithsonian (laughs) magazine says gopher wood may refer to pine cedar or cypress wood Mm. so if one could hypothetically build an ark to the specifications outlined outlined in the bible and actually cram two of every species on that boat would it float and before that though it's actually not even correct uh, the Bible says Noah was to take seven pair of clean animals and two of the unclean. Yep. Clean animals were those that chewed the cud and had split hooves. Basically, they ate some grass, they threw it up in their mouth, and then they ate it again. Like a lot of cattle. Yes. So it wasn't even two of every kind. Smithsonian, come on now. Mm. But they want to know, would it float if they built something like that? Or would Noah have found himself in a Titanic-like scenario? Mm. And so the the magazine goes on to say, that's what four physics, four physics graduate students at the University of Leicester wondered. As part of a special course that encourages the students to apply basic physics principles to more general questions, the team did the math and found that an arc full of animals in those dimensions could theoretically float. Wow. Surprise. Yeah. They recently published their research in a peer-reviewed student-run publication, Mm. the Journal of Physics Special Topics. Now, here's the cool thing. Thomas Morris was one of the students that was working on this project at the time, and he said the following... You don't think the Bible necessarily as a scientifically accurate source of information. So I guess we were quite surprised when we discovered that it would work.
2: You know, we don't think of the Bible necessarily as a scientifically accurate source of
0: information. Wow, would you look at that? Yeah. Thomas Morris sounds like a very smart guy, though. Mm. Uh, so Kyle Butt, though, he says, <laughs> very, very well known uh, in the Brotherhood. He mm. wrote an article called The Flawless Floater, and you can read that on apologeticspress.com. <laughs> he says that this is a ratio of 30 to 5 to 3, length mm. to breadth to height. Until about 1858, the Ark was the largest floating ship ever created. In terms that we understand better, the Ark was about 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Mm. He said in 1844, a man named Isambard K. Brunnell Perfect. built his giant ship, the Great Britain, he used almost the exact ratio of the Ark, 35 to 3. As it turns out, the dimensions are the perfect ratio for a huge boat built for seaworthiness and not for speed. All Obviously, right. the Ark was not built for speed since it had nowhere to go. Just float. What is more? What, what's more? <laughs> how, do, I, how would you say that? What is more? What, or, is, what is more? What is more? What is more? Kyle would say shipbuilders during World War II used approximately the same ratio to build a ship known as the SS Jeremiah O'Brien. One of the group ships known as the Liberty Ships were referred to as the Ugly Ducklings, a barge-like boat built to carry tremendous amounts of cargo, just like the Ark. How did Noah know the perfect seagoing ratio to use in building the Ark? How did Noah know? Brunel and others like him had many generations of shipbuilding knowledge to use, but Noah's literally was the first of its Mm. kind where did he get such information Hmm. god god so god said it happened that should be good enough but it should build your confidence in god's word when you put it to the test when you put god's word to the test and Mm -hmm. and discover that it can handle our probing questions Mm -hmm. so here is for either if you're if you're a teen if you're a young person or really no matter who you are right if there is this little gnawing piece of doubt in the back of your mind about god what he said his word mm-hmm. do some digging just i mean dig. really do some digging ask a lot of questions just go into your
2: front yard and dig
0: yeah don't you'll don't, figure it out don't just think <laughs> <laughs> No well, i mean that's probably not the best place no. to dig but you know back feel free to ask questions and look into it because the bible can take it yes so the bible took anywhere from 1300 to possibly over what 1500 years to compile all together something like that and we're gonna take a brief detour here, but it was written by around 40 different authors, and yet it stood the test of time. So, I wanna give you all an illustration to prove just how amazing that is. So, last Sunday, I was preaching a sermon, and I used this illustration. You're a preacher? Yes, I, yes, I, yes, I am, Carl. Wow. So, here's, here was the illustration Me and Janelle were sitting, that's my wife. We were sitting in the office. You're married? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <I'm done>. Sorry. <laughs> and so I, I said, okay, Janelle, here's, here's what we're going to do for this illustration. We're both going to agree on a guy, and we're going to call him Dan. And we're going to pretend that you're writing the Old Testament, and I'm writing the New Testament. You mm. make a prediction about Dan, and I'll make the prophecy as it comes true. in The, fulfillment. the New Testament. The yes. fulfillment. I'll write the fulfillment. You write the prophecy. I write the fulfillment. So, But we still agreed on the name Dan. And we agreed on place of birth, his build, his profession, and his impact that he would make on the world. All right, so here's Janelle. Janelle says, acting as the Old Testament, one day there will be a man named Dan, and he shall be born in Mississippi. That's what Janelle said. All right, we were in the same room together. I know Mm -hmm. her very well. We did it on the same day. So we go over to the New Testament, aka my fulfillment. And then Dan was born in Canada. It's close, actually. Not really at all. Yeah, no. Nope. So Janelle says, Mississippi, I say Canada. So we go back to the Old Testament and see what uh, Janelle has to say about his build. He says that Dan is going to be 5'5 and slender. I said that Dan is average and athletic. And that's actually yeah, kind of no, similar. Just like you. That's very similar. Thanks, Carl. You're welcome. And so, all right, so the profession, what do they do? Well, according to Janelle, in the same room, sitting right behind me, she writes that Dan is going to be an engineer. Mm. I wrote that Dan is an airplane pilot. That's pretty close. Not really. Nope. So what about the impact? (laughs) The impact that Dan makes on the world? (laughs) According to Janelle, who is acting as the Old Testament once again, says that Dan took it upon himself to review designs of transportation structures all over America that he thought may have had errors in design when they had first been designed wow. and built. Then he corrected those designs, and he took them to the appropriate Son, people. Son, wrote a book. I know. He said that Dan would take them to the appropriate people where every error and safety hazard was corrected, which was undoubted, which has undoubtedly saved hundreds of millions of lives. He refused to ever take one penny for his work, stating that he just wanted to help people. Today, all major universities use his work to teach engineering and architecture (laughs) students the importance of preventing small errors in design that could result in the unintentional deaths of so many. Wow, Dan sounds like a great guy. Such a great guy. So that's what Janelle wrote about The Old Testament. That was going to be the impact that Dan's going to make on the world. Here's what I said. Dan, the impact that he made on the world, he invented the slipper. Mm. way off. That's still pretty good, though. Yeah. So, that just goes to show <laughs> that, that we cannot make a prophecy like that in the same room together with someone that I know. In the same day. In the same
2: day. Now we, add we 1,500 years and 40 writers and different backgrounds, different cultures. Yep. The,
0: the, the Bible does this much better on a magnified scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, Isaiah makes a prophecy known as the perfect prophecy. And Isaiah... 44 and 45, Mm -hmm. where events are written as if they had already happened. And Isaiah predicts that Babylon's going to fall into the hands of Cyrus. This king is mentioned by name. Cyrus the Great is mentioned by name in the Old Testament. This king is mentioned by name, and he wouldn't even be born until 150 years later. This guy Mm -hmm. would go on to, guess what, conquer Babylon Mm -hmm. nearly two centuries later. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yes, that was quite a digression there. Yes, uh, back to the ark. So but basically,
2: uh, the the Bible can be uh, trusted was yes. really the bottom line. Right? Am I am I am I, am I fair to say that deal? you are correct in saying okay. that? Okay. So uh, we know that the Bible is accurate in its description of the ark and everything. But whether you believe that the ark has been found or not, there's one undeniable truth: there is evidence of a worldwide flood. In fact, there are over 250 stories told worldwide of a flood that was sent by a god or a deity of some sort in every culture around the globe. You have We have writings of a great flood in cultures such as uh, Samaria, mm. and there's uh, in Hindu culture, in Greek, in Norse, and Celtic, Every single one of these places talks about a deity or a god that was mad at its creation and decided to flood the world. Hmm. Why? Because there's flood evidence. And if it was a worldwide flood, then all of the cultures in the world would see the evidence of the flood.
0: Sim- similar, similar uh, is that the episode that was it, Denny Petrillo did on Leviathan Behemoth mm. in season one. And he talks about. I believe it was dragons that are mentioned in several mm-hmm. other cultures around the yep. world too. Oh, no, no, that was uh, Jeff Miller mentioned that in Giants. He's talked about how uh, dra- dragons are also mentioned. no. That was Denny. Was it Denny? Yeah, one of those doctors. <laughs> one of the one of the, the smart folk.
2: Uh, but yeah, no. So it's like you have all these cultures that are talking about the same events, and so you got to start asking, okay, well then, uh, why are they doing this? Is there something to it? There's something to it. Uh, so you look at the flood evidence, and we're not going to spend a lot of time in here. You know, we'll let you do some some of your own digging here. Uh, but you got uh, topography. The Earth's surface uh, shows proof of a worldwide flood. You got seashells on the top of a mountain, uh, and you got layers, uh, the sediment that would have been settling uh, from the flood, and it turns into layers in the Earth's crust. Uh, you know, It makes me think about Mom's seven-layer salad, honestly, mm, You know, she got the, the bacon the green peas, yes. the lettuce, the mm. ranch, and then mm. she'd mix a little bit of like uh, some Miracle Whip or mm. some mayonnaise uh. up in there, and then some more layers. You know, just keep going. Well, that's what we have with the the Earth's crust. We got layers of sediment that have settled after the flood, but then we have mountains Ooh. which were shot up out of the ground from the pressure of the the flood, and and not only that, the the fountains of the deep breaking open, causing lots of crazy stuff there. I'm no uh, uh what's the word there? Geographist? No. Uh you know, someone I'm, I I ain't someone that like goes studying earth. Uh a, a topographist. Sure. Uh a, I don't know. An earthologist. Uh, an earthologist, you know? But but all you gotta do is look around and you can see evidence of that fact that there was a flood. Uh, but, but we also look at the the different climate changes that would have happened from it, the different altitudes creating warmer and colder climates. But you've got all these different layers and seashells and everything is flipped upside down. And uh, I mean, you even think about when we went to the where was that? Carlsbad Caverns or no 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 the the Windy Caverns in Wyoming or something like that. Wind caves. No no no, it was the Big Gorge place when we went on vacation. Black Canyon. And that one lady, it looked like the Grand Canyon, but it was smaller, Black less Canyon. less grand. It's Black Canyon. Yeah, it had a lot of wind. That's all I remember. Well, there was a guide there that was giving us a tour of the place as a family. And she was talking about all these different, like, you know, the ways that this huge uh, canyon was eroded and how it took millions of years and how there's like seashells and how it used to be underwater, but now it, you know, evolved. And uh, dad raised his hand and was like, I remember that. Could that just be uh, evidence of a worldwide flood? And she was like, well, no. It's like okay so you would rather say that it took millions of years to make it and go through all these different hoops just to say that there wasn't a worldwide flood which even there is plenty even of
0: though there are petrified tree fossils basically mm. that that are that have grown through each of these layers like straight yeah, there's through a, the layers a pottery jar in one of
2: the layers, it's like, wow, that must have taken three million years to make this one jar. Yeah, You know,
0: how does that work? I, I, I see the providence of God in a lot of these discoveries being like, okay, there's a new theory about <laughs> how a jar.
2: Right?
0: <laughs> there's a new theory out that apparently the humans have come up with talking about how each of these different layers represents millions millions of years. Well, how about this discovery of a tree growing through all of the layers to show you... Or a piece of pottery. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, the the flood happened. The flood happened. The ark was was a realistic size. Mm. There's evidence for a worldwide flood. Yes. But, but will we ever find the ark? I know I have. But that's up for you to decide. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the ark. That's Noah's ark. I don't think I said Moses once. Oh, good job. We'll have to go yeah. back and listen to it and find out if you did. Hey, if you like this episode, mm. then give it a like. Give it a share. Yeah. Actually, you don't you don't even have to like it, just share it so other people can hear it. Yeah, um, that, that that would be great. And stick around. Next Wednesday, we're gonna be talking about another ark that's yes. equally
2: as we're not gonna give it away, but it's the ark of the covenant. You just gave it. I away. tried to find a way to hide it, but I <laughs> couldn't. I mean, there's only two arcs, really. I mean, honestly.
0: Yeah, we're gonna talk about the ark of the covenant goats. Yes. Uh, covenant, though. <laughs> Where'd it go? Yeah. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where is it? What happened what to happened? it? What would happen if we did find and opened it? Would it be Indiana Jones up in here? I don't think so, but well, it would be see. crazy. We're going to talk about that next week, though. So, hey, pilgrims, stay sweet.
1: Hey, do you have two minutes? With the one and only, Neil Pollard. I think I'll have what I'm having. Oh, nice one! He was named after a World War I general born in Los Angeles in 1918 just after the American Doughboys went over there. Robert Pershing Bobby Dewar was an everyday player who achieved some notoriety. He was the oldest living player who was in the Hall of Fame when he died just three years ago this week. But making his debut in 1937, Dewar is a part of some interesting facts. He played against Lou Gehrig. Joe DiMaggio, Mel Ott, uh, Hank Greenberg, Schoolboy Rowe, Lloyd and Paul Wayner, and Pie Traynor, as well as many other all-time greats. Jimmy Fox and Lefty Grove were his teammates. Lefty pitched to Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and Tris Speaker. In 1925, his rookie season, Grove sat across the dugout from Jimmy Austin, age 46, Oscar Standage, age 42, and Chief Bender, age 41. Sitting in his dugout, though, was Jack Quinn, age 42, who was a teammate of Austin's on the 1909 New York Highlanders, a team that also included Wee Willie Killer and Jack Chesbro. We could keep going, but we'll stop here. Dewar, a man who was still in his right mind, could tell you all about Lefty Grove and who uh, heard who knows how many stories that Grove told about players who played in the 1800s, connections to the earliest days of baseball. Dewar was a link to history. The man who currently is the oldest living baseball player, Eddie Robinson, could make almost the same claims and trace his baseball history back like Dewar could. How many have pointed out the interesting facts from the Genesis genealogies where it is possible that Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, may have known Adam? They they were almost certainly contemporaries and that covers a span of 1656 years. Noah and Seth, Adam's third son, would have been alive together for 34 years before Seth's death. To appreciate how incredible that is, consider that 1656 years ago was the year 359 A.D., four years before Constantine's grandson, Julian the Apostate, became Roman Emperor. It would take, not take a lot of digging around in our congregations to find individuals who provide us a link to church history. As a lover of history, I'm thrilled in my soul to think that we are linked to great men and women of God who helped start and build up the Lord's Church. When I was seven years old, my family and I visited in the home of Zany Michaels, a then 100-year-old sister in Christ who was a member where Dad preached in Berwickville, West Virginia. She was four years old when the church there was established. Some of the great preachers of the 19th century traversed the bergs and valleys around Berwickville, and Sister Michael heard several of them. We got to hear her regaled by her clear recollections and linked through her to such wonderful history. Isn't it amazing how God has put all this together and helped us to appreciate the link to living history that we all are?